Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. I just, I'm really grateful and I just want to say uh, I'm so excited to be able to speak to you today. I want to honor Pastor George and uh, say thank you that he has the, the courage and the safety that he feels to entrust me to speak while he's gone. And I just want to say that um, not only is Pastor George a great friend, but I just want to honor the fact of what he's doing and how much he is working every moment that he can to fulfill the call on God's life for this house and what's going on here. I want to tell you some things this morning, and I'm very different. So if you've never heard me speak, you may just want to be like, oh boy, calm down. Just hold tight. I'm, I speak to youth primarily. Um, so when I talk to them, the youth don't get offended like us older people do. I can tell the youth things, and they're like, okay. Got it. I tell you guys, like, I don't like that. So there's this different feel. But what I want to do is I want to speak into you because there's some things that God is doing in my life. And there's some things that I'm watching happen and unfold. And I want to keep moving. And I want all of you to be a part of this with us as we grow here at RCC, but in our walk with God. So I'm going to be challenging you. I'm going to have some fun with you this morning. But I'm going to read a scripture, and uh, I didn't give, I'm not very prepared in the sense of where I give my scriptures ahead of time, so this doesn't come up on the screen. If you have your Bible, if he pulls it up on screen, great, but I'm going to 2 Corinthians 7, verses 9 and 10, 2 Corinthians 7, verses 9 and 10. What I do is I end up, for me, I, I'm just going to be honest, I wanted to make sure this is what I was preaching, and I didn't know until officially five minutes ago. What I do is I'm, I'm a little different. I study, and I have a lot of things prepared in my arsenal of what I'm ready for. And if Holy Spirit taps on one of those and says that one, I go with it. If not, we just stay in his presence. We don't stop. And if his presence is here and I have something, I still might not preach it because if he's here and people are getting healed and delivered, I don't need to say anything. So it's very important as we go into this message that you listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you because this is key. So oh, thank you. They're always so nice. They bring you water. It's so cool. See, youth, we don't do that in youth, do we? We need to get that going. That's awesome. No. So 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Recently, I started understanding a little more of a reality of how we're leading people to Christ. We ask them to say a prayer, and they'll say, Jesus, I know that you um, died on the cross for me. I know that you conquered death and rose again three days later. I know that I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I ask that you forgive me of my sins, and I receive you as Lord of my life. Sometimes it's like, give you my life, come live in my heart, whatever. But that's the gist of what we hear now. Could you guys agree that's kind of what we hear? There's one thing that I noticed that has started to leave our language in the past 10 years. The word repentance. And right here, if you actually look at this scripture... And I'm going to read it again. It says, I rejoice not what you were made, that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led you to repentance. So that's key because initially we're sorry. When we make a mistake, we do something, oh, I'm so sorry I hurt this person or I did this. But that should lead us to a change. And then it says, for you were made sorry in a godly manner 
that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. I believe what's going on in the church right now is confusion over salvation. Confusion over, are we really saved or do we think we're saved and we're really not? You're like, well, I'm saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I say I love him. I, re, I, I, re, I renounced my old life, mostly. But I give Jesus who I am, and I say I love you, God. Forgive me. I want to go to heaven. You believe that in that statement alone, with no action in your, in your life changing, that you're okay. Now, our works, they do not save us. But our works should be accompanying our faith. And when we see someone who says they love Jesus but does everything in their life the same as they did when they were lost, or they look so much like their old self that it's hard to even tell, my question is, are you really saved? You're like, well, you can't judge me. Well, I want to correct you on this one fact. When you were in the church and you claimed to be a believer, judgment not to condemn but to correct and love you, we are allowed to come to you. When you say, I love Jesus, and you're out there playing a part of a harlot, I'm allowed to come to you and say, are you okay? What's going on? This is not who you're meant to be. Don't judge me. You don't know me. You signed up for iron sharpening iron. And all you want to do is don't judge me. We're not condemning you. Now, on the flip side, I've seen some people really screw this up. They see somebody in the church that they do not talk to, they never interact with, they never care two cents about, but the moment they see them in sin, they're like, Haha, I'm going to talk to you about it. That's the problem. You want to point your finger in that moment and correct somebody when you had no investment in really caring about them whatsoever. So you walk in here every Sunday with no investment in anybody, because if you don't invest in them, then I don't have to worry about them holding me accountable, so we're good. So what we've done is we, we have our sections we sit in, our chairs that we like, and we know how to leave before we have to encounter anyone. We have to question ourselves in the area of salvation. When I say, are you saved? I'm asking you a question. Do you look different from the thing you were saved from? Do you look different from the thing you were saved from? Most of us, if we're honest, we have this issue. We cross this line from being lost to being saved. And when we cross the line, we're right there, and the line's like right here, but we're just past that line. And we're like, all right, I made it on this side of the line. Now I got to go on the journey. And what a lot of you do is you kind of have an issue because a lot of your friends are back here. A lot of your relationships, the things you did with your free time, they're still back here. And we have a problem. So I'm going to have some fun in a minute. I need to do a little demonstration with, uh, with you guys. So I'm going to have Dale, you come here a minute. You're going to help me hold a rope, okay, Dale? I know it's a really tough job, but you got this, buddy. <laughs> Dale's actually from High Springs. He's a friend of ours hanging out, so hold one end of the rope. And I need to have Lewis, come here. You're going to hold the other end of this rope. And just pull it nice and, uh, nice and tight. And I'm going to do it this way. I want, Lewis, I want you to stand over there so the rope's going this way, okay? So let's say on this side of the rope, is your former life, all right? That's the old you. Now, let's see, uh, Melanie, come here. You're fun to pick on. Come here. 
So, Melanie, I want you to stand on this side of the road. This is Melanie before she encounters Jesus. She finally encounters Jesus, and she decides to cross over and come to the other side of this rope. So go ahead. Walk on the other side of this rope. Very good. All right. So, hey, Bobo, come here. I call him Bobo. It's just a nickname. We're going to have a scenario here. Now, they are not dating. They are not in a relationship. They're just using people. So, Melanie, look at, look at him. This is what you just decided to walk away from because you decided, I mean, look at this gem. No, it's good. You're good. So, you decided to walk away from your old life. And part of your old life was a man in your old life, friends. So, I need somebody that wants to represent her friend in this old life. Who wants to help me out? Who wants to? Come on. Get over here. Get over here. Both y'all. Yeah, both y'all. We're going to get real in a minute. You better calm down because y'all are friends. I might call some stuff. So, come on over here this old side. This is the old side. Oh, you the bad people. No, you on the old side. Uh-uh. It's part of this demonstration. So let's say for a minute, now she's here. Let's pay attention to a couple things. She's crossed the other side, right? Look, first of all, at what direction she is looking. She is still looking at the things she left behind because deep down inside her flesh still longs for those relationships. Deep down inside, she still wants to have that relationship. And they're saying the whole time, well, I, I respect you, but you can't judge us, but we could still have friendship the same way. But see, it doesn't work that way. So go a little closer to that line. So she gets a little closer to the line, but she still won't go back the other way. And you guys get as close to that line as you want as well. Now what I want you to do is I want, I want you to, to grab onto her arm. Now there comes a point right here where she's now feeling the pull and the effects to come back to what she once was. This is how our life is, no matter what it is, no matter how it is. But she has to make a decision. One major problem she has is she's not looking the way she's supposed to be going. She's looking at what she's left. You are focusing so much on what you've left behind and what your sin was and what you dealt with and because you still feel the effects of it, it bothers you. So Melanie, turn around now and face the other way. Nope, you're good. Now what's the problem is, I want you guys to come behind her, and I want you to whisper to her softly about how she's going to come back, and don't stop whispering into her head. So now she's looking forward, but everything from her past is engaging her mind, and she still feels the pressure. What is she going to do? How does she walk forward? How does she get there? She is being drawn back by her old desires, and she's trying to make a stand. But if we're looking the wrong way, how are we ever going to see where we're supposed to go? So turn back around and face your old self. Yeah. So I want you to just take three steps and walk backwards. Your goal is going to be get all the way to the back of the church going down the south. Walk three steps backwards. You cannot look that way because you're blind. You're not looking. All right, stop. Not terribly hard. She's still further away, but her gaze is not caught on the one she needs to see. She is still looking at what she once was through the eyes of people who see her as blind Bartimaeus, not the one who sees. Okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to create a little bit more of a difficulty because sometimes we think that this road is such a beautiful, big, paved, beautiful, lovely road. When God says it's a narrow road and it's really hard. So we're going to create some obstacles for you. So let's do some obstacles real quick. Let's go. I want to create obstacles all the way down here. So make some obstacles. Now, remember, your goal is to get through this journey. 
Oh, you can't look back that way. Because you still can't see the one who loves you. You're still focusing here. Now, what I want you to do, while still staring at your old life, I want you to try to make your way to Jesus, who will be standing at the back of the room. But you cannot look at him because all you're doing is looking here. Stare at them and walk. Go ahead. Yep, slowly be careful because it's not going to be easy. Keep walking. Now, this is what we look like right now as the church trying to walk our life out with Christ. Wonder why we see no power? Wonder why we're not seeing breakthrough? Wonder why we trip and we're about to fall and we hit blocks in our path? Oh, you got to figure out how to get there. You can't look at them. Walk backwards. Don't look. Ah, oh, you look down. Keep your eyes on your old life because that's what we do as the church, right? Keep going. All the way. Don't look down. If you fall, oh well. Keep your eyes on them. Uh-uh, keep your eyes on them. I know. I don't think the church does either, but they keep doing it. So keep going. Keep going. This is what we're doing, church. We're wondering why we keep falling into the same sin. Oops. Why am I hitting that wall, God? Why can't I get breakthrough? You can stop right there. Why? So, Melly, I want you to come back up here. The rest of my group, I want you to come here and make a clump of people right here and face her. Here's what has to happen, and I want you to come back up to this rope. We need to learn how to address what we used to be, and the people we love that are still on the other side of that line. How do we handle it? Because we're not better than them, because he's better than what we thought we were, so he showed us, but we're nothing more special than they are. So here's the thought. When you look at them, and they're trying to get you to come back, you have to tell them you can't. And I want you to go close to that line again. I want you, to, I want you and I want you to grab onto her one of each arm. Now listen, I don't want you to let go. Hold on tight. Sam, you better get, you ain't, you ain't Wonder Woman. All right. So what I want you to do, Melanie, I want you to break in a minute their hold on you. Guess what? Guess what? You're going to pull away. And I want you to pull just enough. They can't, can't pull them across the line, but you got to try to break free of the grasp that they have on you. So go, break free. It's not easy. Stop. You notice what this is? This is us trying to use authority when we speak nothing to the thing holding us back. It is time for us, this time hold. I want you to look at both of them in the eyes. And I want you with authority, I want you to tell them this. Listen. And they're going to listen. You're going to tell them, take your hands off me now in Jesus' name. Look at her first and tell her. Let go of her. And then you tell her. Now, before you move, you have to get to the point where you can tell them, listen, I'm on a journey with God. I would love for you to come with me. I'm not turning my back on you. I'm just facing the one who I found. Because what they're going to do as soon as she turns around, you just turned your back on us. You're too good for us. I'm never going to be too good for you, but I know he's too good for me, and I'm going to find him. So I want you to turn around. Now what you're going to do is you've got obstacles in this walk. 
I want you to walk, and when you walk there, I want you to have the confidence that when you walk, you can get through that group. Sometimes it's hard, because that might represent a lot of things. But you got to keep going, because sometimes just on the other side is what you've been waiting for. And I want you to walk over there, and I want you to tell them to get out of the way, and they have to listen. But I want you to look at them with authority, and I want you to go, and you, you pick where you want to walk and go through, so go. Notice she didn't ask. Notice she found out her authority, and she said, move. Fear. Bow. Get it? Move now. Jesus, you change everything. Thank you guys for visual examples for everybody. You guys are awesome. Thank you. That's good right here. Our culture has redefined the word love for us, and they've messed it up. It's perverted. It's weird. But what love means to so many now, for those on the other side, they say, you don't love me. What that really means is you're not affirming and agreeing with me. You can't be a Christian. Some Christian you are because you don't love me. What they're saying is you do not affirm and agree with me or tolerate the life that I live and make it part of yours anymore. That is the major issue. Some of you are in a battle of, am I really the Christian I need to be? Because am I handling this person right? You love that person. But they are not allowed to have a hold on you and your life. Boundaries are good. Okay? They're good. And let me tell you, on this journey, notice I didn't want to make all these people represent evil people. No. A lot of times that's the church that's trying to hold you back. The people. Because we're dealing with hurting people. People here that you open yourself up to, that you're vulnerable with in the spirit, and you're like, oh, God, you're awesome. They're the ones that have the most opportunity, like your family, to do the most damage to you. Okay? That's why you can get damaged by your family so quickly is because you're supposed to be the closest with them. So when they do something, it hurts at a deeper level. That's why we get hurt in church. Because when you're experiencing things and you've walked through some stuff and there's people that have been there and then they do something stupid or say something wrong, it hurts you. And it hurts at a different level. And then you get into this thought and this philosophy. Well, I can love God with everything inside me and I don't don't need to be at a church. You're correct. You don't have to be. You could have your own little time with God and still love God and go to heaven. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is is you're, you're missing out on one important thing that you do not have the support of the people of God around you to run with you. And the problem is, is you know what people say now? If that's the support that I have, I'd rather be on my own. We have forgotten that everybody in this room, that no one in this room is better than anyone else. I'm not smarter or better than you. I don't have a better relationship with God than you. Because I'm on this platform with a microphone, you assume because we created a culture And the culture is, look at the guy with the microphone. He's the rock star. He's the one that's closest to God. He's the one that can talk to us from God, and that's it. You are not living in the day of Moses where there's one leader that tells you one thing. You have Holy Spirit in the book of Acts who's speaking to you. He is communicating with you. Do you know what's so crazy is we still are looking to the pastor, just like the people used to say, give us a king. 
They wanted to make Jesus a king. He's like, oh, let me get out of here. No. Because if you put somebody up as a king, then that means you never get to go to the place you need to go, and you're comfortable there. Do you know why there's not awakening and revival in this church right now? It's us. Do you know if you come in for 15 weeks straight and your expression of how you worship is nothing more than the same mundane, never stretching yourself, never trying to break free of anything or do something different, you're going to see nothing change. You're like, well, that's the way I worship. I know, and that's why you're still in bondage. Well, I don't want to pray out loud. That's just not who I am. I understand that. But what are you doing differently to get different results? What's happening? What are you doing in your everyday life? See, the world is still calling you, and most of you want to live your life as close to that line as you can to say, I have a ticket to heaven. And you're missing out on the whole point of why we're here. Why are we here? When you gave your life to Christ, if you want to do this game and you say, I crossed the line, I gave my life to Christ, I'm going to say as close to that line as I can, go to heaven and I'm good, then you should die the moment you give your life to Christ. That should be it. Game over. And honestly, it would be better for you because otherwise it's going to be torture your whole life. But you guys, you get to this little tip of the iceberg and you're like, I've arrived. And there's this huge iceberg below of much more to see. It's time that we start getting our focus and our gaze fixed back where it was supposed to be. It's time that we remember what it's all about. People need to encounter God. But if the people of God are not encountering God, then the lost will not either. Where are the people of God? Where are they? And you're like, well, we're right here. And some of you are like, you can't judge me. I'm not, I'm, I told you we can. We can talk to each other this way. You can talk to me this way. I love you enough to tell you that we got to do something. Because I'm saying it to me and you. Wouldn't it be nice that your problems didn't have such a hold on your mind all the time? Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, come on. How many of you are actually bothered and tormented by stupid stuff that you just wish would be quiet? I mean, let's be honest. It's real. So my challenge for us today is real simple. Repent. That's not simple. The people of God have to look different. If anything, when the people of God are looking so much like everyone else because they want to affirm and make others feel happy, then the people of God have lost their identity. We can't tell who they are anymore. But if the people of God will learn how to love, but keep their gaze fixed on the one who loves them, we can do it. You know, the Bible says we, we love Because he first loved us. Church in Revelation is critiqued, saying, you lost sight of your first love. And it was a judgment, and it it was like hard. You lost sight of your first love. Most of us say that that's the moment you got saved. Not so much. You lost sight of your first love. What that was is, remember the verse, we love because and only because he first loved us us. We lost sight of the reality of how much he loves us. 
And because we lost that reality, we're a mess. We're a broken mess. I desire to see this congregation of people become everything that God has called them to be. And I'm talking about other things, like we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Do you know what? I think when Leah shared her testimony today, she's overcoming because she spoke her testimony. And the blood of the Lamb matched with that. The word of God says, we overcome. But what I've seen is I've seen so much pride that has squashed the voice of testimonies in this room because dare anyone know that in my family there's a problem? Dare anyone know that my kid has an issue? Because if my kid shares that they have a problem, how's that going to make my family look? How do I handle this? And those kids are like, I can't share my testimony because I know my family would be mad. And I would, they would want to disown me. They, they would be repercussions. Isn't that crazy? There's now a punishment for overcoming in your testimony because now your family's embarrassed. That's pride. Are we the real church or not? Same thing here. I can't share where I've been. I can't share all the things that I've gone through. Because if I do and I share what God's brought me from, it's going to upset some people. Well, then those people are not overcomers. And let those who want to live a paralyzed life in the darkness remain if they choose. But until God breaks that light in there and shines it, you can't do anything about it. But do not hold someone's testimony back because you intimidate them, because they're scared if they speak it, because you warn them if they say anything. No. Husbands should not be scared to share what happened in their marriage because of God. Wives should not be scared. Children, parents, they should not be scared. The reason we don't see revival and overcoming in this church is because the word of our testimony has no opportunity to meet up with the finished work of the blood of the Lamb. And until what our voice says of what he's done for us, the world will never see it. There are some testimonies in this room that would obliterate this entire sanctuary in the spirit and a revival, I promise you, would begin to break out. But if we silence it with fear, it'll never happen. Imagine that. I have kids dealing with issues that are so real. You know what's really bad? I'm going to be honest. Some of them can't share what's going on in, in their life and what they're overcoming because if they do, it'll expose what's going on in the home, and some of you don't want to deal with that either. You're like, that's my house. Everybody's going to know. Well, a little child shall lead them. It's time. I want real, organic ministry. I want real, organic church. I don't want hype. I don't want a bunch of excitement only. That's good. I want us to get really into the crevices of our life and say, let's deal with this mess. Let's be the thing that we've always pretended we were. Let's be the thing that everybody says is possible that we've never become. Let's do this. This is my challenge for us. It is possible. This past summer, I was at a camp. I saw creative miracles, guys. I've seen it. It's real. I've watched scars from a girl's arm from cutting herself vanish in front of her eyes. And they all just disappeared. 
And she just starts screaming, he's God, he's God, he's God, like she knew. The miraculous is happening. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you long to feel different? I asked the question in my youth one time, God wants you to be happy. I said, if you say yes, raise your hand. If you say no, just don't. A lot of them, hands raised. Of course, God wants to be happy. I said, actually, no. God wants you to experience joy. Happiness is completely different. Happiness is actually just the emotion. Joy is something that shifts and changes in you. God wants the best for you, but he's allowing some of us to go through some mess in order to get us to that good thing. We have to go from fear to faith. Are we? Are we really going from fear to faith? I don't know. I want to make sure that the church is not taking repentance as remorse. I want to make sure that remorse is understood. It's as an emotion. Okay? Remorse is an emotion. Repentance is the action. If the church is emotional about sin, then there will never be any action. That is a warning for all of us. In my zeal or our excitement, are we just in a place of zeal and excitement alone, or is there action going on in our life? When we come in here every Sunday, you know what I expect? I expect there to be almost as if there is just this, this tremor going on. When people walk in these doors, today I walked in here, I got five steps in the door, and this power got started moving and touching someone's life weeping. I'm like, okay, God, let's do it. Why? Are we willing? Guys, the church, not just the lost, but the church is dying to see somebody be real. The church is literally dying in front of us. But will we be the ones? Will we really be the remnant Christian center or not? Is it going to be when PG speaks, he has to, to try to pull you and drag you every week? Or do you come in here and you literally push PG and he just goes, whoa, what are you doing? You know how much fun that would be? How incredible would that be? You guys, I am giving you a challenge today. If you have not repented, and you were stuck in remorse and have not turned from that old thing in your life. Or you've been on this side, but you've been staring at it for too long. And you keep stumbling. You keep tripping. You keep falling. I'm going to tell you it's time to change some direction. So, Christina, come on up. I want you guys to do this with me. I want you to stand up. And here's what we'll do. I want to just do a really, really thorough self-examination for all of us in the room. I want you to look at your life, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to picture your day-to-day -day life. Like, what is it on Monday and Tuesday? What is going on? What's vexing your mind and your emotions? What's hurting and pounding inside of your life that's a pain for you? What is your past thing that keeps annoying you and causing you to stumble? What is it for you? And are you really focusing so much on getting away from that thing that you stopped looking towards Christ, and you've been looking at it so much? 
And all you want to do is just fight against it, and you're really not clear-cut at all. What is it for you? If you're ready to move from remorse to action of repentance, and literally repent of dead works, I am calling not just the lost and the sinners today. My call is actually 80% for those who are saved. Will you make a stand and a commitment that you will tell fear to bow and no matter what, you're willing, no matter what the cost, to allow the testimony of Jesus to be heard in your life and in your families? Will you create a safe place for it to be spoken and celebrated rather than looking back at the failure that you may have not known about? Or would you look at who they are now because they can see. I'm looking for ones in this room who will say that, who will actually take a stand and say, I choose to be the real church. I choose to be organic and have iron sharpen iron. I choose to not call people out that are making mistakes and judge them and condemn them but to bring them back to truth and tell them that we miss you and I'm here if you want it. That you commit for community to actually work. You'll actually connect with people and not come in here as a lone ranger and leave the same. And I know this is hard for some of you and I know this is, some of you have been ready. You're like, I'm finally getting it. I need to do this. I've been walking backwards and I don't know why I've been doing that. I've been trying to go the right direction, but I just can't see. Whatever it is for you, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you choose this life, if this is what you're choosing to do to go forward, and you want to go with us, I'm going to honestly ask you to do this only if you're genuine. But would you please come up here with me? I want to know who's going to be doing this with me, making that decision that we're going to run forward and we're going to do it correctly. And we're not going to stop. So for every saved person in this room, if you choose to be the organic, real church, to stand with everything you're meant to stand with, and to really say that we're going to pursue this because there's an awakening coming. There's a revival that's waiting. There's a well that wants to spring up. But I know it's only going to work when I take up the weapon that the Lord has given me and I strike the ground. And then I strike it again, and I don't stop until I see it. Who here at RCC is willing to strike the ground until we see it? Join us up here. Join us up here. Who are you? Two or more, it's all I need. But I want all of you. We want all of you. It doesn't matter if you're a member of this church doesn't matter if you're never going to come again. If you want to stand for what this is about and you're going to bring it to your church, stand with us. If you're going up back and you don't have a church, you're going to stand and say, I choose. Then choose. And the ones that are coming right now, you are deciding to do this even though it's going to be hard, it's going to be painful. People will still look at you as blind Bartimaeus. Mark my words. But remind them that you see because you found the one who made you see. Remind them that's not who you are anymore. And live your life in a way that they will obviously see the difference. Because Jesus, you change everything.
Jesus, you change everything. Jesus, you're the one that changes it. So what I want everybody to do right here, I want you to realize that we're going to be on a journey together. It's going to be fun. We're going to have some issues. Things are going to happen. But we're committing to one thing, that we know that Jesus does change everything and that we're not going to look back again. So let's think, what was your former identity? Remember for the last time, one more time. What was your former identity? What did God save you from becoming or being? Remember, one last time, I want you to remember who you used to be. One more time. And I want you to give it a title. I want you to give it a name. Maybe it's adulterer. Maybe it's a drug addict. Maybe it's a pervert. Maybe it's a liar, a thief, a womanizer. Whatever title you give it, it doesn't matter. Just identify that. Maybe you're just super religious or prideful or haughty. What you're going to do is you're going to say to that. And the name you give it, you're going to say, bow. Tell it, bow. Because Jesus changes everything. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.